very positive, uh, happy human being. Just taking it one day at a time. Uh, God got me, so I'm still happy. I thought it was going to be bad, you know. It hit the ground and I was like, damn, you know. It's just the beginning, just getting started. But after, I was just still trying to have positive thoughts and keep myself into it. That, of course, the voice of Raptors rookie, Scotty Barnes, injured in the fourth quarter in game one, and he will be out tonight as the Raptors get set for game two in Philadelphia. Toronto hoping to pull even in the series. But, of course, they will be down a major piece now with Scotty Barnes unavailable. The good news in of, uh, is, excuse me, of course, uh, that the ankle is not severely injured, at least not broken, as x-rays came back negative. Uh, MRI results uh, kind of pending in a sense that we didn't uh, get full word on the actual structural damage or lack thereof. But Scotty Barnes, uh, no doubt, banged up in a walking boot and unable to play tonight for the Toronto Raptors as they get set to go toe-to-toe against Joel Embiid, James Harden, and the Philadelphia 76ers. We are still awaiting official word on whether or not Gary Trent Jr. will play or Thaddeus Young. In fact, the news coming in right now, breaking news for you, that both will be available. So Thaddeus Young, in spite of the sprained thumb on the left hand, is good to go. And Gary Trent, under the weather, non-COVID-related illness, Nick Nurse just saying about an hour ago that Gary is not feeling well, but is feeling better now than he was earlier today and certainly yesterday. And Gary's going to tough it out, folks. He's going to go. So you know what? The bad news of Scotty Barnes, but the great news that you thought you might be down three, you're only down one. Again, Young and Trent will play. Jonesy, we bring into the conversation right off the top of our pregame show in Philadelphia, Philly native and, of course, Raptors television analyst and longtime Toronto Raptor, Alvin Williams. Al, how are you tonight? What's up, E? How are you, buddy? I got a question for you. As oh, Jonesy in there. Okay. What's up, Jonesy? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, it's playoff time, man. You got to be here. Um, <laughs> I got a question for you as a player, and maybe it plays into it more in terms of the playoffs, but sometimes Al, you know, when, as a player, when you got the flu or you're sick a little bit and you, you, you're, you're trying to focus on getting into the game and doing your thing in the game, you get a little extra rest in the afternoon. You come out, you warm up. Sometimes those turn into your best games. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's, you know what? Sometimes it, it comes into the part where you're not trying to do as much and You've seen it in the past where people have, they're hobbled a little bit, and they can't do as much as they normally would do. Force the issue, let the, and they end up letting the game come to them. And sometimes it does work in your favor when that's that's the attitude and that's your capability. So it's not always a bad thing when you're not 100. percent But these are pro athletes, and that's the that's the thing what makes them different. They they know how to will through it. They know how to tough tough it out. And they just take it to another gear. We've seen it through over the times where players become hurt or they were sick and they still executed and they performed at a high level. Speaking with Alvin Williams as we're getting set for game two between the Sixers and the Toronto Raptors. Al, 
Uh, I'm going to admit right off the bat here, trying to take this from a, a, a purely extremely optimistic Raptors perspective here. The Raptor fans need some positivity right now, Al. Again, I say the good news that Trent's there to play. Good news that Thaddeus Young is able to. I'm sure neither one of them 100%, but hey, at this time of the season, who is 100%? Scotty Barnes not being in the lineup, certainly a big-time absence. That said, they're different players. They do different things, but I would argue there are some similarities in their game, and you could also maybe try to find other ways to pull even more similarities by asking OG to do some of what Scotty has done over the course of the season. And now, why do I bring this up? OG Ananobi missed a ton over the last two months of the season. Played in only a handful of the Raptors' last 25 games of the year. Now, he was there in game one. He played well in spite of the Raptors' loss. Can you say, as terrible as it is, that there's no Scotty Barnes? We've got OG back, and OG who didn't see the floor a whole ton in the final 25. It's like, you got one, you lost one, and if we could win without OG, can we find a way to win without Scotty? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, OG is somebody, to me, who's overlooked. He's he's underrated. You know, he has the injury has some injury history, but what he can bring to this team that not many people can do, I think he brings a great post-up presence. I think he, he brings that physicality. He can defend, and he does multiple things like a Scotty Barnes. He's not, you know, the guard type with the vision and the passing ability of a Scotty Barnes and the size of a Scotty, but he does have a force, and he does a great job, and the Raptors have been doing a good job of identifying him early in transition and offense pinning and sealing under the basket, getting early post-ups. He can space the floor. I think he's a better shooter than, than Scotty. So he brings elements that um, that are really valuable for the Raptors. And I think the biggest key is the Raptors being deliberate, making sure that certain players, you know, get the ball in certain spots. I still believe this is playoff basketball, and your best players have to have the ball in their hands the majority of the time and make plays not just for themselves as others. So the Raptors do have a Fred Van Vliet, they have an OG, they have a Pascal. So those are, those are three players that you have that you can you can have the ball in their hands and have them make plays as well. So that's definitely a positive when you do have an OG in your lineup. Al, um, you know, you said something there that is so true. In the biggest games, your best players need to be your best players. So how much does Toronto not overreact to Tyrese Maxey? I mean, I don't know if he's going to shoot five of eight from three again, go for near 40. The focus is still Embiid and Harden. And I think you've got to tag or pay a little bit of attention to Harris and Maxie. I would say more so Harris than Maxie. But the other part of that, I don't think he's going to give me another 40 piece, another 38. And, and that being said, maybe it's actually good that he did because he might be looking for that and take some touches away from some of the other guys. I just think Toronto... They can't. They got to adjust, but they can't overreact, Al. No, for sure. And we and you and I both said Jonesy, and I'm not quite sure if you agreed as well, Eric. But we said Maxi was the X factor, right? You know, he he's the guy that you know he can have big games and can change the outlook of a series because of his ability and so much attention that's drawn by uh, James James Harden and, and the B. What I would say is, I don't think the Raptors should overreact to James Harden. I believe that James Harden is not the same James Harden as in Houston. I don't think he's the 40-point, 15-16 assist guy getting to the free-throw line 16 times or 18 times. But I would I would urge the Raptors to play James Harden man-to-man 
and you know he's not he doesn't have the the, the explosiveness to, to blow by you any longer for at least for right now and he's not finishing through contact like he used to so I think the Raptors they helped a little too much and they allowed the the Tyree to Tyrese Maxey's to get loose and they allowed Tobias Harris especially in the first half to get loose and I believe if you just stick to the script and you you can double team and give jo- Joel and B different looks but I think you just play you just play James Harden straight up let him try to finish over big bodies meet him with physicality because the game isn't called the way it was called two or three years ago and he's not the same player as he was two or three years ago as we've seen him now can he still take over a game hell yeah but I would not overreact and let those other guys lose because we've seen we can get burnt by those guys because they are talented enough to do so. Uh, getting set for game two between the Sixers and Raptors, joined by Raptors television analyst, former Toronto Raptor Alvin Williams. Al, when you talk about James Harden, he didn't shoot a great percentage, 6 of 17 overall, but he did shoot well from the perimeter, something that traditionally he has not necessarily done, or maybe I should say historically he hasn't necessarily done over the course of his career. He's a volume shooter, and he makes a lot because he takes a lot. But career-wise, numbers aren't great. But I'll take four of seven, six of seven at the line, and suddenly a guy with 22 and 14. I understand what you're saying and played him straight up, but he arguably turned in his best effort uh, in at least a few weeks in game one because, as you know, Jones and I talked about in our broadcast, and I think we might have even discussed with you on Smith & Jones, as Jalen Rose said, his numbers lately have been looking like a concert tour, 3 of 14, 3 of 16, 4 of 12. It looks like concert dates, not shooting percentages, but he was pretty good overall in game one. Yeah, I mean, he's James Harden, and you, you can't fall asleep on him. But once again, I still believe, and you hear Jalen Rose talk about the concert dates. More importantly, they weren't big numbers. They weren't big attempts. Yeah. He wasn't trying to really – it's not the percentages, it's, it's the attempts. He's not shooting that much, right? And, and normally James Harden would shoot 16, 17 times, but he would get through the free throw line 12, 13 times. And that his numbers would come from there. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, you, you make a James Harden that's been criticized for being out of shape, has lost a step, has not been interested. You make him play. You make him play, and he's going to get his because he's talented, no doubt about it. But I've seen the Raptors have success, whether it was meeting him at the rim, whether it was meeting him in the perimeter, being physical with him. And, you know, you're just living with that outside shot. And if, if it's going, there's not much you can do with anybody in the NBA. But I, I would take my chances on having James Harden be a player that he doesn't really want to be. He don't want to be the volume guy any longer. He want to be the guy that played with the Joel Embiid. That's why he came to the Sixers or he urged to come to the Sixers. So I think you try to make him be more than he really want to be at this stage of his career, or at least this season. I'm not counting him out the stage of his career, but just for this season. All right, Al, I'm, I'm going to get to the keys to the game at the start of the broadcast, but while I got a guy here who has been on the floor for the playoffs, I think one of the real keys tonight is not overreact, but take care of Maxi and, and Tobias Harris, who had 64, more than half of the 131 points, and they shot the ball well. Embiid got 19 points on 15 shots. Harden, 22 points on 17 shots. Neither of them shot a good percentage. So if you're the Raptors, I think you apply a little bit more ball pressure, force quicker decisions from those guys, and then I think you got to turn them over, Al. The Raptors lost their personality not turning them over, 
not getting easy points, not getting out and running. And people say those are things you can take away in the playoffs, but if you're going to win this series, you got to play to your strength. No, for sure you have to. And, you know, that's, all, that's always the challenge. When, when you look at the Raptors early on, you know, their defense, being able to switch and be aggressive and 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 not the, rep, the referee letting the team be physical. But a lot of it was relied on, on turnovers and deflections and disrupting the, the, the other team's offense and getting out in transition. You know, Jonesy and E, that the playoffs, that's not going to happen, right? As you saw, the 76ers not even have a turnover in the first half. And did that did that come from, you know, the early whistle with Fred getting early fouls and him not being aggressive because he is one of the leading scorers? I mean, still guys in the NBA, does that affect your offense? I mean, your defense. And then when you have a Chris Boucher who gets in foul trouble and he's one of your best offensive rebounders, those are two things that give you more possessions in the NBA, right? Defense, the rebounds, and, and, and the turnovers. And we know how important possessions are. So those are the things you can't rely on, although that is your identity. And somehow the Raptors have to get some of those opportunities. I don't know how you get them in the playoffs other than playing your style and then hoping the whistle is not as fragile as it was early on in the game, which I think took away some aggressiveness. So I think at the end of the day, the Raptors have to be who they are. It's too late to change now and continue to just, just hit with force. you got to meet with force and physicality, especially in the playoffs. You can see Alvin Williams on the Sportsnet television broadcast, and you can hear him right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, specifically on Smith & Jones Weekly right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please download, rate, review, and share as well. Alvin, enjoy Game 2, and we will talk to you again soon. All the best, man. See you guys soon, man. Thank you.